Welcome to the Hail Marys and Hoops podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pratt. I'm currently a social intern at DraftKings and the head of NFL at The Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at Hotline Fantasy. Today, I'm joined by two great guests, Jeremy Guerin and Anton Lee, and we're here to break down the NBA Finals matchup that no one really expected, the Phoenix Suns versus the Milwaukee Bucks. To kick off our discussion, we're going to talk about the point god himself, Chris Paul. After 16 seasons in multiple tumultuous situations in New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Houston, CP3 has flipped the narrative in his last two years and become a fan favorite across the league, making his first finals appearance. Does he deserve a ring, and how will his legacy be boosted if he gets it? Jeremy, we'll start with you, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Um, I'd say for starters, in terms of legacy, Chris Paul, I think it's... I think most people have him around between the, you know, let's call it fourth best point guard of all time, and probably seventh, if I had to guess. Um, I don't think it's, it's not like he's going to pass Steph Curry if he goes and wins this ring, but I think that you can confidently put him in the top five if he wins uh, over the next couple of weeks here against the Bucks. Now, one could argue that the Suns' road has been pretty easy. Uh, but again, it's, you can only play who you have in front of you. So if they take advantage of this road, like teams, like, I don't know, the Celtics couldn't, then yeah, he, he deserves the ring. It's not like it's, there's going to be any sort of asterisk next to it. Like there would be for the, uh, the Epcot cup with LeBron last year. Um, but I think that Chris Paul can benefit decently from winning a ring, but I think his legacy is mostly set, uh, in my opinion so far. Fair enough. I love uh, the little throw in the Epcot Cup there. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little later. Anton, welcome to the show. I'll throw it to you. Do you have any thoughts on what Jeremy just said? Uh, no. Uh, first, thank you very much for having me on the show, Jeff. Um, no, I mean, I, Jeremy kind of covered all the things that uh, that I agree with. I mean, Chris Paul's one of those one of those players that kind of been struck with some unfortunate luck. Uh, didn't get to go to the Lakers. Uh, that trade was vetoed. I don't really know why. Um, and then... Uh, and then he gets, you know, just he, he, you know, he has, he has played the KD and the Warriors in uh, in twenty like twenty seventeen. Then he, you know, he almost get, he almost beats them, but uh, gets hurt at like the worst time. Um, and but this year, you know, things kind of fell his way. You know, the Lakers they had some injury trouble with AD and LeBron, um, and then they just I don't know they kind of just cruise through the playoffs. Honestly, they're kind of just beating everyone in their uh, everyone in their path. Uh, so I think. Uh, Jeremy had, makes a great point, you know, uh, you can only play who you have in front of you, so he did a great job. I think Chris is, I think Chris deserves it. If he, if, he wins his, if he wins the ring, I think he deserves this one, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, taking this postseason aside, obviously injuries were crazy this year, even crazier than last year. I think that, you know, if we're going to give a ring an asterisk, Jeremy, I know you said the Epcot Cup last year. I'd probably give it to this year just because of how many injuries there were. But at the same time, you know, injuries are a huge part of the game. They happen every single year, and Chris Paul and the Suns just happen to benefit from it. But that being said, talking about CP3 as a player and his legacy, I mean, you talk about growth and maturity. You won't find as much of that in a player who's a legend like Chris Paul as you will in Chris Paul. I mean, you look at New Orleans. Um, struggled for the first couple of years. They put together a decent team. Uh, there were questions about if he was a good locker room guy, etc. Then gets sent to the Clippers, and obviously big issues there with Blake Griffin, Doc Rivers. There are a bunch of spats. Gets sent to Houston. 
I mean, that stop wasn't necessarily his fault. Having to deal with James Harden is something that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy at this point, especially in the situation as terrible as Houston was, as we know right now. But then, you know, he gets sent to Oklahoma City, and a lot of people kind of wrote him off. They said, all right, I mean, Houston just sent him there to die. And then he resurrects that Thunder squad, really becomes a great mentor for SGA, helps bring them to, you know, a playoff contender, a good team. And then they reward him, Sam Presti, who Emerson shout out, by the way, I think is currently the best GM in the NBA, sends him to a team where he can compete in Phoenix. And they bring this Phoenix squad from a bubble playoff team last year to a true championship contender. So if we're going to talk about personal growth as a player, I think, you know, hats off to Chris Paul. Um, All right. We're going to move on now. We've said enough about Chris Paul. We're going to talk about the other team that's in the NBA Finals, the Milwaukee Bucks. In the current era, when so many stars switch teams and jump around, Giannis Antetokounmpo passed up on the opportunity to hit the open market and stuck with Milwaukee. How will perspective on the two-time MVP and Defensive Player of the Year change if he's rewarded for his loyalty and wins a ring with the Bucks? Jeremy, I'll throw it to you again. Um... In terms of loyalty, I mean, I appreciate that he stayed, but I would just like to say on the outset that I am not going to be rooting for the Bucks in this series because I think Mike Budenholzer is a boob. I think that the <laughs> coaching that the, the Bucks have shown and the poise that the Bucks have shown throughout the playoffs does not merit you winning a championship. Uh, I think that if he, uh, quite frankly, I think if the Bucks win this title, then the NBA just ha- has a massive problem on their hands because all it shows is that all you need is some massive dude to go and go down the lane, draw fouls, and travel all the time just to win a ring. Like, there's there's no bones about it. They, they didn't do anything to go and win the Brooklyn series. They only won that series because Durant missed Durant's big-ass foot. That's literally his quote. If he had smaller feet, he would have won the game. And then the, we wouldn't even be talking about the Bucks now. They only got past the Hawks because, guess what, Trey got hurt by stepping on a ref. I mean, you want to talk about the Suns having an easy road, let's focus on Milwaukee for a little bit. Middleton and Holiday have disappeared for long stretches of playoff games. Giannis has gotten hurt, but he also, I mean, his execution down the stretch in some of these games is just brutal. And I don't want to see, per- personally, I don't want to see them rewarded for that. Uh, yeah, I do like the personal loyalty of the fact that he's not going and joining a super team. That uh, that I can appreciate. But I, I, I don't know. Something about Giannis. I like him. He's a nice guy. His play style has never been one where I've been like, I absolutely need him on my team regardless of, you know, how old he is, what condition he's in. He's, uh, he's that guy. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, he's not, it's not, he's not the player that I would look to for that. It's understandable. Anton, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, Giannis is one of those interesting players to me. He's a guy that, for some reason, the Bucks insist on playing him from, like, way far away from the basket. Like, let's let's give him the ball, like, at the top of the, you know, the three-point line and then have him just run into the lane. Um, I mean, it works, obviously. I mean, he, he puts up, like, massive numbers every now and then. But I feel like there hasn't quite been a game where you know, there's like a, a closeout, like a like a LeBron or a KD where he just comes in and just, you know, even though the game is like, you know, uh, maybe like falling out of reach or maybe they had a lead and then they're losing it and then he just comes in and closes it out. There's, there hasn't, really hasn't been a game like that for me, for Giannis. Um, the only kind of game I can remember is many, many years ago, he played against the, uh, it was it was my homecoming. Uh, I remember it very specifically because my date was furious because 
all all the guys were just watching Giannis play. We're like, Giannis, he's amazing, right? He was, this is like when he first got big, like maybe it's twenty seventeen, and I remember like just Giannis like took over that game, but in the playoffs, I just haven't seen that from him, and I feel like um, in some moments he just looks kind of kind of bad, kind of sloppy, you know, taking uh, you know ill timed shots, just kind of just driving in, hoisting shots. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like Giannis is a player. You know, instead of trying to develop a three-point shot, why not just develop, like, that Kawhi Leonard, like, 10-foot turnaround? I mean, that's pretty unstoppable for him. Um, so, for Giannis, I have kind of mixed feelings about him as a superstar, but I do respect his loyalty. Um, it really hurt when LeBron left. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, nothing was more indicative of the Bucks in their late-game execution than in Game 5 against the Nets when they really needed a bucket. They were, they were really on... On the brink, KD had played the entire game up until that point. He was dropping, what was it, a 50-burger on them uh, as they came back without Kyrie. And Giannis's, uh thought process was to back down James Harden, who I have heard referred to as a fat little dump, and I love that description of James Harden. Um, he backs him down and does a turnaround fadeaway, which is just probably one of the stupidest moves that I have ever seen. You are taller than him by a foot. You're more athletic than him. And Harden doesn't have a hamstring. So I don't know why you're just going and trying to take a, a turnaround fade. That's just terrible. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I think that the biggest thing you notice with Giannis at this point is where's his bag? He's a two-time MVP. And the guy, as you said, Anton, they give him the ball at the top of the three-point arc and he just drives. He kind of fumbles his way through the defense, trying to draw fouls. And when he goes to the line, you know you know he's due to miss a couple free throws. You know he's probably going to airball a couple free throws. It's just, it's honestly incredible. I don't think I've ever seen an MVP with as many holes in their game as Giannis does. But at the same time, the fact of the matter is he's a two-time MVP. He's able to do what he does at a dominant level. And it's not pretty, as you mentioned, Jeremy. It's not fun to watch by any means compared to other MVPs like let's say you want to have Giannis on your team or Steph Curry I mean Curry's going to fill the seats Giannis is going to get it done but it's going to be ugly and I put a lot of the blame on the Bucks coaching staff and training staff how do you not work with him Anton as you said to develop that little 10 to 12 footer how do you let him take four to five threes a game it's just not his game that's a wasted possession especially you know pulling up in transition when there's 18 16 seconds left on the shot clock you can work it around find a better shot I don't necessarily blame that on Giannis because if you're a two-time MVP you're gonna have all the confidence in the world in yourself I blame that on the Bucks training staff and the coaching staff and especially Mike Budenholzer who I think even if the Bucks win the finals this year he's out at head coach we know that there is Definitely some uh, difference in opinions between him and their front and their front office and the players in terms of how they think that team should be ran. So I think he's a horrible coach. Uh, we're not horrible, obviously. He led this team to the NBA Finals, but he's below average when it comes to NBA championship caliber teams and coaches. Uh, so yeah, I say the blame's kind of 50-50. Anton, I'll throw this to you in a little second because I want to uh, briefly touch on this before we move on. Um, the one thing with Milwaukee I will say is you look at their front office, they are the perfect model for a small market team and how to succeed in today's NBA. Yes, Jeremy, 
Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, they have disappeared for stretches throughout this postseason. And somehow the Bucks have found a way via injuries to opponents to stumble into the NBA Finals. But you look at the makeup of this team, you draft your superstar, you bring in another superstar, Chris Middleton, and then you make a very bold move this offseason, sending Eric Bledsoe and multiple first-round picks to the New Orleans Pelicans to get an aging guard in Drew Holiday, who's really good defensively, questions about his perimeter shooting, you know he's a good playmaker, you go to Giannis and you say, yeah, this is the guy we want to put alongside you. We think his defense is a serious upgrade over Bledsoe. His offense is an upgrade over Bledsoe. Overall, he is the third star we can bring in that can take this team to the next level. And whether they got some help for injuries or not, on the way, they got to the NBA Finals. They accomplished their goal. Anton, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm just just to kind of bounce off that point, I think uh, that's probably the the thing the Cavs didn't do. As a, as a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I remember all those years when my dad would talk about, oh, the Cavs might get this guy and this guy, you know, in the, uh, in the late 2000s. Um, and then, you know, they end up getting like sh- like a dying Shaq, you know, like he's like 400 pounds. Um, they also get, you know, like an Antoine Jameson. But besides the point, I think I got to really commend the uh, the Bucks organization. They do a great job of like, keeping their star happy. So uh, props to them. But at the same time, uh, my brother Deb made a, great, made a great point, which is Giannis doesn't really have skill. And it's something that we've talked about before, which is, you know, he's sort of just like a little bit more skilled Dwight Howard, right? Someone who can handle the ball maybe a little bit better. I mean, if you look at his handle, it's, it looks pretty good, but none of his game is polished. I mean, all of his game is so, uh, it just seems so raw. Like, it's like the potential is there, but, you know, at the same time, it's one of those Ben Simmons situations, you know? Oh, if only Giannis got a three-point shot. If only Ben Simmons got a three-point shot. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, and I think just trying to force him to play this certain style isn't ever going to be successful. I mean, uh, I mean, let me, let me tell you this. I was playing 2k with my friend and I was down by three points. Okay. No, I was down by two points actually. And I had five possessions and I said, listen, bro, will you let me take the open Giannis three? He said, yes, I'll let you have it every time. And so in the, in the fourth quarter with like a minute to go, I took five wide open Giannis threes and he didn't hit a single one. So from that moment on, I've just been, I've been certain the fact, you know, adamant that the Bucks should never let Giannis shoot threes. And actually when the Heat doesn't shoot threes, they play so much better. I don't understand why they insist on, and I really hope he doesn't come out next season and start shooting even more. That would just be even more, uh, that should be so painful to watch. Yes, as we know, 2K is the most realistic simulator and representation for the NBA. Anton, thank you uh, for that comparison there. We're going to jump into the next uh, topic here, and it's going to be the predictions. Who's going to win this series and how many games? And then we're going to get into individual awards, disappointments, etc. Jeremy, I'm going to throw this to you first. Who's winning this series? Uh, If Giannis is hurt, it's going to be the Suns in six. If Giannis is healthy and plays in, I'd say, six of the seven games, it's going to still be Suns in seven. Fair enough. Um, Anton, I'll throw it to you in a second. Uh, we're pretty similar there. I have if Giannis misses only one game, I'm going to take the Bucks in seven. I do think Milwaukee's going to be able to get it done. But if he misses two or more games, I'm going to take Phoenix in six. 
And uh, as we are recording this, it's currently almost 6 p.m. on the East Coast, so about three hours before this game. And Giannis, he was doubtful this morning. He got a midday upgrade to questionable, which is very good for his prospects to play tonight. We know that he's been pushing his knee, uh, trying to get cleared to play. So it's fair to assume he's close. If it's not this game, could be game two. At the very least, I'd say game three. The question is, if he's out for those two games, how long can Milwaukee hold on and keep them in the series? Anton, who's winning this series? Um, I got to say Bucks in 7-2. You know, I love movies. I love conflict. Um, this is an underdog small market team without their best player, you know, going up against this offensive juggernaut led by, you know, one of the best point guards in history in Chris Paul. I mean, overall, it's going to be an amazing matchup, right? Two of the most potent offenses in the league, uh, two of the best defenses, too. Um, but I, I kind of think, you know, no Giannis, no problem, honestly. Um, in both, I looked it up, in both the regular season and the playoffs, the team's offensive rating dips a little bit when Giannis is off the floor. In the playoffs, it goes from a 109.8 to a 108.2, but in the regular season, it's a little bit more. Um, but defensively, they actually improved from one from 101.8 to 107.1. Um, they're a tough, gritty team. Uh, they have, you know, some dogs and P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday guys who's going to go down there and grind it out. Um, but I believe in the depth of Milwaukee's bench. I really love Bobby Portis. Um, I really love what he brings, that energy, crazy eyes. I mean, as, as a fan of a small market team, I got to do what's right. I got to root for my guys out there. Um, so I think they can ground it out in seven. Um, it's going to be a great series. Both teams have a lot to play for, obviously. Um, but I feel like the Bucks, um, you know, may edge them out slightly defensively. Um, and I kind of have a feeling that either Devin Booker or Chris Paul might kind of shrink in the spotlight a tiny bit. So I got to say Bucks in seven. Fair enough. All right, Jeremy, now that we know you're taking the Suns to win the finals, who's your MVP? All right. So this is basically, I looked at the matchups on this and then that's how I decided so I am going to say that CP3 is going to win the finals MVP, but as with LeBron and most of his finals MVP awards, I would like it to go to other guys simply to give them the spotlight. I'm not saying that CP3 won't be the best player or that LeBron wasn't the best player in some of the series that he won it, but you know what? Finals MVP is essentially a meaningless award for some of these megastars, and you'd like to see some of the, the lesser-known guys get a little bit of a, a shine. So I mentioned matchups before. Um... I want to know who's going to guard Giannis because the Suns don't have a true big number four that can go and bump down with them down uh, in the in the paint and down low in the post. So I'm going to say it should be DeAndre Ayton. He should match up with them and he should win finals MVP because if he wins, if the Suns win this series, him trying to shut down Giannis will be a large part of it. And yes, I'm saying that then Jay Crowder or someone like that, maybe Frank the Tank even, would have to go and cover Brooke Lopez in the corner when he's shooting threes. So... I think that it's going to be CP3. It should be Aiden because he is, I mean, talk talk about a resurgence. People were saying Trey Young and Luka Doncic were just running away with the best picks of the, that draft. What was it, 2018, 2019? And, I mean, Aiden's averaged a double-double in the playoffs, I believe. He's scored at least 10-10 and 10 in his first however many games, and that was a record I saw for their Western Conference Finals, of which I saw very, very little. I was waking up early, and I just wouldn't... I, I saw maybe the first quarter and half of all those games. Um, but I think that Aiton will be the difference, especially not only defensively against Giannis, but also in the pick-and-roll with uh, Chris Paul. 
Fair enough. Um, and to go off what you just said, I'm a huge DeAndre Ayton fan. It is so impressive that the man was drafted first overall. He had Trey Young and Luka Doncic go after him. But you can't look at DeAndre Ayton and say that that was a bad pick for this Phoenix team. Despite having two franchise players, generational talents, especially Luka Doncic going to the Mavericks, going after him, DeAndre Ayton, incredible fit for the Suns team. Chris Paul really just came in. He took him to another level. He unlocked his game. And I would love to see DeAndre Ayton win finals MVP if the Suns are able to edge it out personally. Uh, so I did say that if Giannis only misses one game, the Bucks are going to win in seven. If that happens, it's going to be Giannis. We all know that. Best player on the best team by far. Um, he's got the narrative of being rewarded for his loyalty that we touched on earlier, etc. But let's say that the Suns win it. I'm going to go with Chris Ball as well, Jeremy, in terms of who's actually going to win the award. And you look at everything that's working in his favor. You've got the narrative, the fact that he transformed, as I said, a bubble playoff team into an NBA championship caliber team. The legacy as one of the best to never win a ring, finally getting it done after 16 years of endless disappointment in the playoff. There's too much working in his favor for if Phoenix to win this and Chris Ball is healthy throughout uh, you know, and let's say Devin Booker goes out and he drops 40 a night. Obviously, he's going to get it done. But Chris Paul, he's the leader of this team. He's the reason they're here. He's going to win finals MVP if the Suns get it done. Anton, who do you think? You know, if, you know, to jump off Jeremy's point, which is, you know, giving the award to people who don't necessarily, you know, it doesn't really mean that much to some people. And I think if the if the, if the Bucks do win in seven games, it means that I think there's got to be at least a couple games where the Bucks win without Giannis. Um, so my finals MVP would be Chris Middleton. I mean, I watch this dude ball. That dude is a straight baller, okay? And when he's hot, it, he's almost he's almost unguardable because he'll just pull up right into that to that kind of like uh, right by the elbow. He'll just pull up every time, and he just drains it. Um, I love Chris Middleton's game, you know, he wasn't anyone, he's not like the flashiest superstar, right? He's not like, he's not like a, you know, like a Devin Booker type guy or like a Jason Tatum, but he's a great wing player. And I think he's a, he's a very important, you know, second guy for a, a team with uh, a guy like Giannis, right? He's a great co-star, someone that they can rely on to get a bucket when they need to. So if I, if, if the Bucks win in seven games, I think it's got to be Chris Middleton. I think he's going to really step up in this series. He stepped up last game uh, uh, to close out the Hawks. And I think, um, you know, I mean, I mean, everyone stepped up that game for the Bucks, you know. Uh, but I still I still think Chris Middleton will be their, uh, their ultimate winning factor. So he's going to be my finals MVP. Fair enough. All right, we talked about the finals MVP. Now we're going to talk about who's going to be the biggest finals disappointment. Jeremy, throw it to you. Devin Booker is done. He's not going oh, to make another, wow. uh, call it classic, appearance in these playoffs. He hit his ceiling in game one of the Western Conference Finals without Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been a little bit of a clutch, uh, crutch sorry, to him this year, and especially with that broken nose. He, wasn't, he was good, but he wasn't Western Conference Finals game one good. And in terms of what you're expecting from Devin Booker, I'd expect at least one of those games in this series if I was a fan. I don't think he's going to give it to you. I think he's going to be serviceable throughout, so it's not going to say that he's going to average like 10 or less. But I don't see him popping off for 30-plus at any game this series, partially because he would have either Holiday 
or uh, Middleton on him in all likelihood. And, I mean, those are two long, lanky guys. Holiday's known for his defense. Middleton's got the length in order to guard him at least a little bit. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say Devin Booker is going to be one of the uh, disappointments. I would also like to say, I wrote this down yesterday uh, on this piece of paper. I wrote, Rachel Nichols will not do any sideline reporting or hosting because I wanted to see more of the beef. That did come to pass today yeah. as she was taken off of the finals uh, roster. So, real, real shame. I was hoping to get that out before it broke. Um, if only we had recorded earlier and I wasn't working, but uh, I'm taking a, a small victory lap after the fact for that. You should have uh, you should have tweeted it out. Then you would have gotten credit. That's true. Yeah, but um, true. I, I want to throw this back to you really quick, Jeremy, because you say you're so confident in the Suns to win the whole thing, but then you come back and say that their best player slash their second best player, at least their most talented player, is going to be serviceable at best. So is Chris Paul... Are Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden just going to be on that much of another level, in your opinion? No, I think that they've won all year by the, the team approach, per se. I mean, Jay Crowder was hitting three after three in that closeout game against the Clippers. Mikael Bridges, I would argue, still hasn't really shown up in the last series and a half. He was good in the first couple of games against uh, Denver, and he showed up a little bit against the Clippers for, from what I remember, the first couple of games. But watching all the highlights, which is the only way I was able to see any of these games, it didn't look like he was as uh, prominent in the offense. I think that the live-by-the-three-die-by-the-three approach is very prevalent with this Suns team, which allows a lot of different guys to go and step up. I mean, I mean Cameron frickin' Payne drops, what, 30 in that game too um, against the Clippers. I think that Booker will still have, you know, between 15 and 25 every night. Paul will have to shoulder a little bit more of the scoring load, especially tonight in game one. Everyone's going to be antsy, and he's the vet in the room. Um, but I think that a lot of these these other guys, the the surround, the supporting cast, is it's going to show why it's important to go and get solid role players for your bench instead of just stocking it with rookies. Yes, Danny Ainge, I am talking to you. <laughs> well, Danny Ainge is no longer employed. Uh, at least for now, sounds like he's heading out to Utah in a couple of he weeks. Still deserves that. Yes, but he he still, he still does. Although, yeah, listen, we'll talk about the Celtics later. If you didn't know, all three of us are uh, currently situated in Boston for school. Two of us are from the New England area, so we are New England homers. But uh, we tend to provide relatively unbiased takes there, mostly just because Jeremy uh, loves to hate the New England teams, but I digress. We <laughs> I, move, I hate everybody. He hates everybody. Moving on, uh, he hates everybody apparently except DeAndre Aiden and Chris Paul. But, Anton, apparently. I'm going to throw this to you. Who's going to be the biggest finals disappointment? You know, I feel like the the playoffs are determined by, not so much by your stars. I feel like your stars usually show up. And when they don't, it's like, are they really a superstar or not? But I think the playoffs are really more determined by you know, your your bench guys, those those kind of feast or famine guys, you know. Um, and I think a player that's really important to the uh, to the Suns is Jay Crowder. And I think when he's when he's really playing well, it makes a, things a lot easier for them, right? Someone knocking down threes, uh, playing some pretty good defense. But I hate Jay Crowder. So I'm going to say uh, Jay Crowder is not going to show up because, you know, he's the kind of guy who, you know, I, I remember him on the Celtics, and he was someone who was always like a – he was like – maybe a couple notches below Patrick Beverly annoying. Um, and how often would he show up? Like about half the time. And I think in the finals, especially, I mean, last year um, with Miami, you know, he was big for them uh, all through their, you know, Eastern Conference finals run. Um, but they, he just didn't really show up in the, in the finals, like hardly at all. And, and that was, that was probably 
the thing that made me realize, you know, players that are like feast or famine don't exactly help you in the finals because in the finals things really like matter the most, right? You're at the final stage. And a player like him, you know, maybe you could toss him like someone like Cam Johnson or maybe like a, uh, I'm not sure, like a Pat Connaughton kind of guy, right? I feel like, or no, 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 I say Brooke Lopez. Those two, those kind of guys are people who, if they're not on, they'll, they'll just be, they'll just keep shooting. They're the kind of guys who have that confidence to just keep shooting, right? And I've seen Brooke Lopez take so many very deep step back threes for just no reason, even though he's missed the last four or five, and he's still going to take it. He doesn't care. So those kind of guys will kill you. And I think a perfect example is like, I, I think in the 2016 finals, it was Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes was huge for that Warriors team for all those, for all those years. And then in the 2016 finals, could not buy a shot. And they, he kind of killed them, honestly. Everyone says, oh, it was because Draymond got... Well, no, 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 no. It was actually because Harrison Barnes was actually hot steaming garbage that entire series. So I got to say, if, there, if there's a reason why uh, the Suns are going to lose, it's because Jay Crowder is going to show up and he's going to toss up brick after brick um, in Jay Crowder fashion. He's going to talk a lot of trash, but not going to help you when he's not making shots. So I think Jay Crowder is going to be the, probably the biggest disappointment for this year's finals. Anton, the biggest LeBron fan out there, will take any chance he can uh, to relate it to a LeBron Finals victory, especially the 2016 yes, Finals. Although I will say that comparison at least is matches up, so I can't give you uh, too much crap for it. But moving on to my pick, I'm going to throw another big name out there just like Jeremy did. I'm going with Drew Holiday. He's going to be matched up with Chris Paul or Devin Booker. Drew Holiday, he was brought in to be an elite one-on-one defender, which is what he's regarded as throughout most of the league. And I think that both CP3 and Booker provide really tough matchup problems for him. You look at Chris Paul, obviously a smaller guard, but he's extremely crafty. One of the most intelligent point guards we've ever seen play the game. Arguably the most intelligent. Uh, point guard we've ever seen play the game I know a lot of guys will throw out Magic Johnson there I'd probably give it to him but Chris Paul you know he's up there he is a really smart player he knows how to get to his spot in the little mid-range he can draw fouls on nobody uh, or on anybody sorry so Drew Holiday could find himself in foul trouble if he's on CP3 and then Devin Booker he's got a couple inches on Holiday he's bigger he's a bit faster Um, he's got more tools than Chris Paul in terms of his offensive arsenal so, you know, he's a three-level scorer. He can do anything. I think both of those players just provide really tough matchup problems. Drew Holiday is going to end up spending most of his energy on the defensive end. We've seen it, uh, as Jeremy's mentioned earlier, throughout this playoffs, where he's had a tough matchup, and then he's not able to produce on offense simply because he's giving everything he had on defense. And I think we could see a couple of those games where Drew Holiday scoring, you know, 10, 12, 14 points. Uh, on relatively inefficient shooting because he's giving so much of his energy on the defensive end and you know not really containing Chris Paul or Devin Booker to the standards for Drew Holiday. All right, moving on, we've got two things to touch on quickly before we wrap up. We're going to talk about Phoenix, the Suns in general. They're in a tough financial situation this offseason. CB3 is reportedly going to turn down his massive option in order to seek a new three-year deal worth north of $90 million. DeAndre Aiden's up for a Supermax. Mikel Bridges is up for an extension, which they believe is going to push towards $20 million annually. Jeremy, is this realistically the Suns' best chance at a title for the next few years? 
I have a I have a question because I didn't look at these contracts beforehand. DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges are both under contract for another couple of years, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, but if you're the Suns, you have to give Ayton his supermax this offseason. Uh, you got to give him his supermax this offseason. And then Mikael Bridges, he's up for a contract extension. If you And if you don't extend him, you enter RFA territory, which is not something you want to do with a talented young player. So realistically, they're going to need, they have to resign. Uh, or they have to extend Aiden, and a Mikel Bridges contract is likely going to have to be in the cards, which puts them in a really tough financial bind to give Chris Paul $30 million a year at, what, 37 years old? Ugh, man, I, I don't think that this is their only year. It's definitely their best year because, I mean, how many years are you going to get LeBron as a seven seed and out in the first round? How many years are you going to have to deal with the Nuggets without Jamal Murray or the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard? So, yeah, that's probably their best chance. Um, in terms of the contract moves, I mean, I'm okay with not re-signing Chris Paul if, even if he wins it. I, I think that the, the 30, $33-plus million for Chris Paul at age 37, yeah, he's done a lot for you. But in my at the end of the day, if you had to choose between either extending Bridges for five years, if you think he's going to develop into being better than just a 3 and D guy, and you have to give eight in the max, which I think is kind of a given at this point, you have to invest in your first overall pick from a couple of years ago. I mean, you either you got to pick between Bridges or Paul, and I don't. I think if you had to, you'll err on the side of the youth because you still have Devin Booker. You can go and get a point guard. Point guards, at the end of the day, are kind of a dime a dozen. Um, maybe Oklahoma City will keep some salary when you go and trade for Kemba Walker like you could there are ways around it yeah it would really suck and it would be a terrible PR move at least initially but I think the Suns are a good enough team to be able to overcome it uh I'd be more interested to see some where the backup guys go like Cameron Payne I know is a free agent coming up so he's gonna cash in somewhere um I just I I don't know I, I think it's definitely their best shot. It's not going to be their only shot. I could see them being in the... Because at, at this point, how many teams... Let's say, let's say hypothetically, they do re-sign Chris Paul. Next year, they have basically the same cast. Who would you... What teams would you take ahead of the Suns, I guess would be the question. And I'd probably take the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron. I don't know what Kawhi Leonard is going to do, so I can't take the Clippers over them. The, war- he the could Warriors, He go and join maybe? the Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors. No, no. I, 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 I have say to that. see... I have to see how Clay comes back off his injury. Understandable. Because I mean, we we've all seen how dog crap Andrew Wiggins is. So I mean, him as a second star is not going to get you anywhere. Uh, or Siakam, who I saw they were rumored to try and trade Wiseman <laughs> in like the eighth pick for the Siakam, tornado. which would be yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. There there aren't many teams in the West that I would be willing to take above uh, Phoenix at this point. I don't even. I th- I think Utah's done. I think Utah's window's closed. Yeah. I, wow. I think Donovan Mitchell's wow. going to want out. I think that some of their players are getting older, specifically Jingles and uh, Bogdanovich. So I think it's I think it's a two-horse race as of right now in the West. I think it's the Lakers, and I think it's the Suns. So we'll see how it plays out. Fair enough. Anton, I'll throw it to you. Is, is this realistically the Suns' best chance at a title for the next few years? You know... As someone who experienced success, as like you know, as you know, when you had LeBron, you thought things were things were easy. Like, oh, we're gonna ever have chance after chance year after year. We have LeBron and Kyrie, and then you know things just change, and and you know the opportunities. You know, talk, guys talk about this a lot. You know, the the old heads and talk about how when they lose in the conference finals or in the finals, they'll think we'll be back, we'll be back. But sometimes you just don't get there, and I think for the Suns, way too many things fell their way. 
Um, there's a lot of injuries, you know, like uh, Jeremy mentioned, you know, Kawhi, LeBron, AD. I mean, that's like three juggernauts right there, three like nuclear weapons they didn't have to really go against head to head. And then at the same time, Chris Paul didn't get hurt. You know, he didn't have some crazy injury or, you know, Devin Booker too. I think they had a lot of things going for them. They didn't really have to deal with any really, not too much adversity aside from Chris Paul uh, getting put into COVID protocol for like that week or so. But for the most part, I feel like the Suns have had a pretty easy road. And that's saying a lot for, uh, you know, they're playing the West, right? West is always a, is a fierce, fiercely competitive. And then next year, you know, you have to deal with uh, Steph Curry and the Warriors. That's going to be a problem. Um, I, I, I want to see where Dame goes. You know, what if he ends up somewhere um, somewhere interesting? Maybe CJ McCollum. Maybe they move around somewhere in the West and some other team gets more uh, more powerful. But, you know, I think another team that I forgot about was the Nuggets. You know, hmm. the Nuggets... They they were they were tough man last year. Jamal Murray was you know he I thought he was a legitimate superstar after that after his performances last year in the bubble. Um, you know I, I have to be honest I have never been more excited watching basketball than watching Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray go shot go shot for shot. It was it was unbelievable. But I gotta be honest I think the Suns you know if they don't win it this year I don't really see them uh, getting back here. I mean. What, what happens with Luka in, in the Mavericks? Does he go to, to, like, the Lakers or something? You never know. Uh, so, don't be, I gotta say, Don't be yeah. ridiculous, Anton. Don't, don't, no, even, I, don't I, even come I, around with that type of claim. Listen, KD went to the Warriors, and I never thought that was going to happen. And then, man. So, I got to be honest. The Suns, I got to They have to. I mean, this is probably win now. And I think it's probably no different for the Bucks either. Um, but the Suns, I think they got to they gotta win now because – Getting out of the West is not an easy task. Um, and to come out pretty unscathed, I think they got to do it now, now or never. Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with you, Anton. I think that there are so many factors. When you're in the Western Conference, you got to take advantage of every chance you get, partially because I, I don't think Chris Paul's going to be back next year. And we'll talk about that when we wrap up next. But, you know, Anton, you, you touched on Kawhi briefly. I think that he's going to the Warriors or Please. the Mavericks. I, don't I, say I, that i think i think it's gonna happen and that terrifies me but if it does happen i think if you're Kawhi leonard you look across the league at your last free agency you had a chance to create a lethal super team with the lakers and you passed up on it maybe really took maybe took the more honorable route went to the clippers paired up with paul george it didn't work out although you know hats off to paul george for an incredible playoff run uh he was great his own carrying that team as far as they did to the Western Conference Finals without Kawhi. But if you're Kawhi Leonard, you look at this and say, hey, I got probably one more max deal left in me. I'm going to go team up with a legit superstar in Steph Curry or Luka Doncic. And we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I think that this is the Suns' best chance to move on. Touching on our final subject, it's just a gut prediction. Will Chris Ball stay with the Suns this offseason or move on to another destination? And if he's moving on, give me your pick for where he's going. Jeremy? Uh, I'll go quick because I also have some things, uh, some final takeaways that I want to mention before we get out of here. Um, if he goes anywhere, it's going to be New York to the Knicks, and I hope that they re-sign him because I don't think that they need to give Bridges an extension yet. I don't. I think that they may have to give uh, Aiden that, but even then, I, I just wait. Wait till the last year of his deal and figure it out then. 
Um, my last couple of takeaways here. Uh, I think Middleton and Holiday are going to shoot a combined less than 35% from three in this series, which is what's going to doom the Bucks because three is worth greater than two. Uh, Frank the Tank will get minutes and not just in garbage time. And finally, oh, two. there will be two overtime games in this series, including the deciding game. So whether it be game six when the Suns close them out in six or game seven, that will be an overtime game. Fair enough. You know, I respect it, especially the Frank the Tank take. I think uh, – you know he's he's a legit superstar in this league. He deserves to get minutes. But I mean him and him and Brooke Lopez bumping oh on the three point line, just two out of shape. You know, uh, heffalump looking white guys just going at it, spraying and praying would be just hilarious. Well, I will say I think that Brooke Lopez is mixed. First of all, I'm not I'm not positive there, but um. Oh really? Oh. <laughs> I honestly didn't know that. Okay, fine. I think it, regardless, um, moving on from that, uh, and I'd be careful to call him out of shape too after seeing what he did a couple of games ago. Um, he, he was a monster a couple of I games ago. I didn't see ago. that game. I was asleep. Go, go watch the highlights. <laughs> he was throwing down some pretty nasty dunks. It looked like uh, Brooklyn Brook Lopez. But anyway, Anton, is Chris Paul staying with the Suns this offseason? You know, I'd like to think he does because Chris Paul seems to be pretty – I mean – I feel like this is a good team for him. I think he has a gives he's having great young pieces around him. He can be the leader he wants to be. Um and I love that that pick Jeremy has of him going to the Knicks. Um but I see I maybe if Chris Paul doesn't stay for whatever reason, I think a team that maybe he might uh join would be uh the Miami Heat. Just a team that's, you know, he can go finish out his career in Miami, just hang out with Jimmy Butler, play dominoes, eat some strawberries, I don't know. I feel like, you know, he's getting to that point of his career where it is like the twilight years. I think everyone can recognize that at this point. He's 37, geez. Um, so if he goes anywhere, it's probably going to be like a pretty big marquee. But I don't know. Maybe maybe not Miami because they have that crazy conditioning regimen and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, he can team up with Bam and Jimmy Butler. Um, that's a pretty solid core right there. And plus, you know, he's no longer in the West. He's Now he's in the East. Um, that's a possibility. And just to kind of throw it out there just for fun, maybe he goes to the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, takes my, <laughs> takes, takes, takes my young core, <laughs> takes the young core and, uh, transforms them into a, uh, a play in contending team. You know, maybe we'll get the ninth seed. You never know. Uh, you know, Chris Paul, Jalen Green, come on. We'll, Jalen we'll Green's not, Jalen Green's not following you guys. We've been over they this. They want Evan Mobley. The East runs You don't us. draft big men. We will talk about the draft. In another episode, we're going to do an entire episode dedicated to the draft and NBA free agency, and then we can debate this, talk about why Jalen Green is not going to fall to the Cavs at three, and why if he did, uh, they'd probably be stupid enough to take Evan Mobley over him or someone else. But moving on, uh, quickly, I'll say, Jeremy, I agree with you. I think that uh, Chris Paul's leaving and he's going to the Knicks. Uh, I think that that connection makes way too much sense. And as a side note, Brooke Lopez's father is from Cuba. So he is, he is not just there you go. But um, yes, a very important information there that we need to touch on. And that is going to wrap up the first episode of Hail Marys and Hoops. We're going to try to meet and record on a weekly basis here. Uh, Anton and Jeremy will be very recurring guests on this, especially when we do this NBA free agency and draft episode just so we can trash Anton a little bit. Jeremy and Anton, hey. thank you guys so much. <laughs> Tell me where we can find you guys on social. Jeremy, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, so uh, at Jeremy C. Guerin, last name G-U-E-R-I-N, um, on Twitter, Instagram, 
I don't know. I think I think that's it. I, I don't use Facebook that often. I'm not sending you smoke signals over LinkedIn. So just go Twitter. And <laughs> Fair enough. And Anton, who is actually a very famous director. Um, oh, my goodness. Say, what are your socials? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Anton Lee. That's A-N-T-O-N-L-E-E with two underscores. Uh, if you want to check out my film photography, there is also information in my bio. And then yeah, so I have Facebook, but who's gonna add? How do you even add? Like, what's like my username on? It Facebook? ain't worth. I don't think. It ain't yeah, worth so it's not worth add it. You on Facebook. All right, thank you guys so much for coming <laughs> on. I'm Jeff Pratt. You can find me on Twitter at Hotline Fantasy. Again, we're looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Have a good one.